This episode of the Blockhouse Podcast is sponsored by my friend Tiger at ITZTiger.music on Instagram. He does all the audio tracks for the Blockhouse Podcast. He's on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Go check him out. The podcast is also sponsored by Day and Night, the ultimate revolution in vaping batteries, the double-bladed lightsaber of vaping. Why enjoy one flavor when you can enjoy two flavors at the same time? Go check them out on Instagram at Day and Night Battery. But wait, the podcast is also sponsored by Bengali, the new hip clothing brand that is about to take Medellin by storm. Quality clothing for men that fits right and that is stylish at the same time. I love it. I got tons of it. And you'll see me wearing it on the podcast. Get yours now. Go to bengali.shop on Instagram. Lastly, be sure to sign up for the Blockchain Insider newsletter. For only $250 a month, you will get weekly updates on the crypto market, my top investment picks, and advanced analysis to help you make better informed investment decisions. You can't put a price on that. So go click on the link in the description and sign up today. What's up, guys? It is Tuesday, June 29th, episode 147, and today I have Larry Pang, head of business development for IOTEX. They are one of the few projects in the blockchain space that is trying to bridge that gap between blockchain and the Internet of Things, more simply called the Internet of Trusted Things. So as you imagine, we talk about everything from IoT to their Pebble Tracker and camera uh, product line that they've launched alongside IOTEX and everything that has to do with you know privacy data and protecting your, your data and having sovereignty over your data. So be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain. Enjoy. Larry, how you doing? Welcome to the Blockhash podcast live once again. Uh, how are you, man? What's up? I'm great, Brandon. How's it going? And very good to be here. Enjoy. Excited to join the Blockhash podcast and you know, talk all things blockchain, creator economy, and of course, IOTech. So really excited. Yeah, yeah. Happy to have you here, man. Where, where are you based? Where are you from? Uh, based in San Francisco, but I've uh, been a California kid my whole life. Grew up in Los Angeles. Had like an eight-year stint on the East Coast for school and my first job in New York. Uh, but now here in the Bay Area, um, you know, I think the Bay Area had kind of an uh, outflux, but it's kind of reviving again, especially the crypto scene. You know, I've been to a lot of in-person mm-hmm. meetups uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, so it's great to just reconnect with everyone and, uh, yeah, just get back to meeting people in person. It's not really the, a non feel that, uh, I also love, but it's good to, you know, uh, meet people in person again. Yeah, absolutely. After the whole year with the pandemic and COVID, it is really nice to actually get to, you know, do things in person, go to conferences. I'm trying to go to one in a, in a few weeks as well in Paris. So it's, it's kind of nice to be able to travel and, you know, see faces and, you know, interact with people. Um, do you feel like people are converging back on San Francisco? I know they've had a lot of problems. Yeah, I think everyone, you know, everywhere that's like a dense city, saw a lot of outflux, right? Um, New York, especially flocking to places like Washington and Texas, whether for taxes or for more space. But it does seem like the city is kind of coming back to life a bit. You know, um, you feel the energy again. Um, people, you know, excited to be out and about and just, you know, share what they're building, right? Especially in the crypto mm-hmm. space. So. Uh, just in the past couple of weeks, you know, went to a, a meetup with IDEO and Ave and, and another one um, more recently, just, uh, yeah, chatting about uh, what people are up to. You know, you only see things on on Twitter and um, 
uh, in Discord and Telegram, but really talking to people in depth about what they're doing. Uh, you can tell there's a lot of exciting stuff in the space. And I've had a real pleasure of sharing what we've been up to. And the reception has been really awesome. You know, I think we're pro providing something really unique uh, and first of its kind to the industry. And yeah, excited to share more about that throughout the call. Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear a lot from you. Um, but first, before we do that, tell me a little bit more about yourself and, um, you know, your background, what your story is. You mentioned that you grew up in California and now you're mm -hmm. in San Francisco, but um, fill in the gap a little bit. What, what have you done since then? Yeah, so I grew up in L.A. Uh, I went to MIT for college. I studied econ and finance there. Always thought I would go into some kind of financial role. Tried every internship under the sun, tried banking, tried trading, tried research, um, but eventually landed in consulting, which is kind of a catch all. Right. You, you don't know what you want to do out of college. A lot of times people go into consulting and that's exactly what I did. Um, and consulting, I was put into a lot of projects focused on digital transformation for a lot of lar large financial market utilities, a lot of tier one banks and everything in between. And that really told me how dinosaur their technology was. And the fact that, you know, there's this thing called blockchain we were investigating uh, during a vendor assessment to see if it could replace one of these legacy systems back in 2015 or 2016. And that's really where I started to uh, understand more about the technology that quickly went over into, you know, investing into Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, pretty early on and, you know, really starting to understand how this tech can be applied outside of the financial space. Right. Not just clearing and settling transactions, but using this uh, technology to secure the data that we have, secure the devices that we have and secure the control and privacy and freedom that we have. Right. So uh, the same feeling I got when I learned about Bitcoin, about, you know, giving power back to the people. I got that same uh, feeling when I learned about IOTEX, reading the white paper for the first time. It's really about, you know, how do we ensure this multi-trillion dollar Internet of Things industry uh, consisting of devices, consisting of data and consisting of like information and value? How do we return that back to the people while not sacrificing any of the, the kind of the uh, things that have been very accustomed to our life? Right. The seamlessness, the automation. Um, but we need to make sure that's secure, right? Everyone's adding all these features left and right, like flying cameras mm -hmm. and things like this. But before we get there, we have to focus on the security and privacy thing first, which is the big elephant in the room. So that's really what IOTEX is trying to solve in a pretty unique way, I feel. Um, not only securing our de devices using the blockchain, but making sure everyday people can own and control their smart devices, as well as the data and value that their smart devices generate. So everything from the tiniest of sensors to the largest of vehicles, uh, renewable energy. That's our long-term vision is to not, uh, power the, the future of IoT using blockchain. And that's what IoTex is all about. Yeah. Was there something that inspired you about blockchain in particular that wanted to, that made you want to get away from traditional finance, which is originally what you were studying and focused on? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, 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 I learned about the theory about finance in college, but it was really until I got into consulting that I started to understand, okay, this is how all these big major uh, Fortune 500 companies work, right? Uh, the governance is very asymmetric. Um, you know, a very small team of people, board members make all the decisions. Um, and these are kind of utilities that the entire uh, country uses, right? Whether it's for banking or for clearing and settling. So um, understanding how these rules these governance structures are created and enforced, as well as the fact that, you know, some of these really big companies don't make any business decisions or financial decisions regarding replacing legacy infrastructure until regulation and compliance demand it. It's why all these of uh, the, the biggest banks in the world are still using dinosaur technology. Right. And 
uh, it's not really. Yeah, yeah. I caught the last part there. You, you froze for a second. But um, yeah, a lot of the big institutions, companies, you know, government as well, they are way behind on technology. Like you said, like dinosaur tech, uh, technosaurus rex is, is another term I've heard before. Um, just a lot of people, you know, around that are much older that don't really understand the tech, they don't apply the tech properly. And it definitely mm -hmm. is a huge issue, especially when you're trying to implement IoT, which is the Internet of Things. And you got to have more connectivity, you got to have more um, you know, technological logistics that, you know, go into that. So it, it's an, definitely an issue that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's only until you see it in person. It's kind of like, okay, uh, you start to learn more about the world and how it operates, right? Uh, everyone talks about the 1%, um, but, you know, it's, it's really the corporations that drive a lot of that as well, right? The, you know, we live in a capitalistic society. And once you understand that businesses make decisions for financial purposes, then you start to understand, okay, this is why Facebook does things this way. This is why there's digital profiles of me out there on the internet. And this is why they're being sold behind my back for tons of dollars is because it's all part of the engine, right? And what we're doing with, with blockchain and Web3 is building a new engine that is designed in such a way that it's transparent and it feeds power to the people instead of the trickle-down effect, which you know is opaque, right? So uh, the transparency, the freedom, um, applying this to not only the things we do on the internet, but also the things that we interact with in the real world. That's really what IOTEX is trying to do. We're trying to build a connected world, kind of connecting things we do in the real world to earn digital assets in the blockchain world. Uh, and that's just a start, right? I think um, where it really gets interesting is once you start to see the network effects of this bottoms up thing come to fruition, right? So mm -hmm. um, we're, we're transitioning from a very top down um, you know, uh, web two kind of view to a very bottoms up web three view. And you see that across the board from social to finance and eventually to the devices that we use on a daily basis. Yeah. I want to dive into what you guys are doing with, um, IOTEX. Um, let me go and pull up the website since I can do it and it's super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love, I love the layout and the UI of the website too. It's super smooth. I think I can like move through it. But yeah, tell, tell us a little bit more about what IOTEX is and like what you guys are doing. What's the mission? What's the goal? Yeah, absolutely. So we got started in about 2017, uh, built through the bear market. So we've seen it all, right? Um, but we started, uh, our mission has never changed. Uh, it's always been to create what we call the Internet of Trusted Things. And this concept is uh, very near and dear to our hearts because, you know, a lot of the technologies we built, we built our blockchain completely from scratch to be tailor fit to support our vision for this internet of trusted things. Uh, you think about what a trusted thing represents. It could be a trusted person, a trusted device, a trusted business. There's certain technologies that need to be uh, inherent in our platform for us to enable this, this future, right? So not only are we a blockchain, we built it from scratch, didn't fork any code, EVM compatible, very, very fast. But what really differentiates IOTEX from all the other layer one blockchains out there is we layer on IoT middleware that makes bringing data from the real world to the blockchain seamless for users, uh, for, for developers and builders, right? So uh, think about all the devices we use on a daily basis from driving in our vehicles, which are more and more connected. Uh, those vehicles are interacting with smart city infrastructure in the form of street lights, in the form of sensors. Um, you know, when we get home, you know, everything's pretty much uh, being automated in a way, you know, the lighting, uh, you know, even people having coffee makers make them coffee in the morning. Um, all the way to our professional lives from supply chain to agriculture 
to drones, you know, IoT and blockchain are kind of horizontal technologies that can apply to a lot of different vertical industries. So our role as a platform is not to focus on any one specific industry, it's to provide the features and the functionality at the protocol and the platform level and work alongside people with the domain expertise in agriculture or in farming or in supply chain or in smart cities to understand how, where and how trust can be better reinforced in what we have today. And also, you know, for the more consumer facing kind of uh, applications, where is the most valuable data and how do we give that data and the value that comes with it back to the rightful owners, which are the users? So how do you enable that trust, uh, you know, using blockchain and combining that with IoT? Like, do you guys have any uh, use cases or products or things uh, that you can use as an example for that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we started our journey again back in 2017. Uh, throughout 2017 through 2020 was really just heads down building out the protocol on the platform, right? Again, we built it completely from scratch, uh, designed our own consensus mechanism. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked about this because it's kind of IoTex has moved from a platform to an ecosystem now. So back in late 2020, we launched our fully produ uh, full production mainnet. Uh, it's called Mainnet GA, Machina. And that really allowed a lot of brand new dApps and decentralized exchanges and devices to be onboarded to IOTEX, right? So, you know, some products that we have already launched on IOTEX, uh, one of them is called UCAM. And UCAM is the first absolutely private home security camera. And we use uh, decentralized identity uh, which is kind of a blockchain-based identity, similar to the concept of you owning the Bitcoin in your wallet, you can own the data from your camera. So this has been on sale on Amazon and other online retailers like Beta uh, for about six months now. There's about 5,500 uh, around the world in 60 countries. So, uh, you know, privacy is a universal right and a use of a universal uh, demand from consumers nowadays. And we can see it in the form of this uh, first product. Um, you know, IOTEX, we're not a hardware manufacturer. We work alongside chip manufacturers and device manufacturers and basically use our protocol to make these things kind of happen, right? It's really interesting, you know, in the, in the form of these cameras, um, a lot of the businesses out there that, you know, manufacture hardware, they don't want to be in the data business, right? Especially as these new regulations emerge like GDPR and CCPA that make it uh, kind of untenable for small businesses to hold on to user data. Holding user data is quickly becoming, uh, turning from being an asset to being a liability, right? So right. a lot of the times, a lot of these discussions we have with device manufacturers is we want to continue selling devices. We don't necessarily want to hold the user data anymore. So this is a perfect win-win situation where you can give the, the manufacturers what they want, you give the people what they want, and you can kind of create this new Web3 economy around the devices that we use every day. Um, so that's more of a consumer facing product, you know, it's meant for anyone that doesn't even know about blockchain to start understanding how blockchain te te technology can be used. Another one that's uh, very, very exciting is called Pebble Tracker. And Pebble Tracker is a device that um, is going to be launching in the next uh, couple months. Uh, we've been working on it with a chip manufacturer called Nordic Semiconductor for the better part of one and a half, two years now. And this is a device that uh, has multiple sensors. Uh, has GPS location, temperature, humidity, air quality, air pressure, uh, motion, and light. And what's really interesting about Pebble Tracker is it comes with a secure element, the same chip in your phone that manages your face ID and your biometrics, the same chip in your ledger hardware wallet that protects your private keys. We're bringing that level of security and trust to these asset trackers, 
which we all know, you know, depending on how you use this, whether to track your motorcycle, a package, put it on your uh, pets, um, you know, this kind of technology can provide tamper-proof data that when combined with tamper-proof smart contracts creates tamper-proof and trusted solutions, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's really, uh, you know, going that extra, uh, going that uh, the extra mile to ensure that uh, the data before we put it on a blockchain is verifiable and trustworthy. And then finally, we can start to create these kind of if-then statements across the physical and the digital world, right? If something happens in the real world and you could prove it to a smart contract, for example, proving your GPS location at a specific point, a specific time, then you can kick off any number of responses via smart contract, like issue an NFT, settle a payment, kick off another workflow. So the design space that IOTEX brings to the blockchain industry, you know, everyone's used to using historical data, uh, whether the price feeds or API calls, but combining that with real time data is really where a lot of interesting use cases are going to be happening. Um, so, you know, across IOTEX is working on a number of other devices, um, but these two are the ones that are kind of uh, most ready for prime time. So, you know, happy to dive in more into yeah. kind of the roadmap and what's coming next for these devices as well. Yeah. A question on Pebble Tracker. Like, is that like a chip or like, do you just apply it to certain devices or does it have like a specific purpose? Like you carry it around or how do you use it? Yeah. So this is the developer case version. You know, if people go to uh, just Google crowd supply uh, slash Pebble Tracker, I'll drop the link here. Um, but Pebble Tracker is kind of a, a standalone device uh, that applies this uh, kind of concept of um, truly uh, tamper-proof data, right? Uh, we use that secure element, again, just like the chip in your credit card that protects your spending credentials. Pebble Tracker not only captures uh, verifiable data, but it signs it uh, exactly on the device, right? So that's where the provenance comes from. When we talk about a use case like supply chain, a lot of the times, uh, this data is not really usable because no one can verify whether it's true or not, right? So mm-hmm. having that level of verifiability, bringing the level of tamper-proofness and verifiability that we're used to uh, when we log into our phones every day with a face ID, right? The reason why you trust Apple phones to carry your fingerprints and your face ID, which are probably some of the most sensitive data, is because it's stored in that secure element in your phone. So um, that's very important uh, to us. But you know, it's really about the tech stack as well, Is this right? It? Like Is it right here, exactly. So that's the consumer-facing case. Uh, it's nice, discreet, and sleek. Again, this is more of the developer version. Um, that's more open and uh, transparent, right? Um, but you know, uh, this is really a, a fascinating device because it's not only for users, but it's also for developers, right? The, the firmware, the backend, and eventually the hardware will be completely open source. We want people to kind of fork this device and create other instances, maybe with other types of sensors, maybe with um, other kind of pluggable ports. Um, the, the beauty of it is, you know, partnering with hardware manufacturers in the future to create similar styles of devices as a Pebble Tracker. Um, you know, but as you can see, you know, we just ran our pre-order, um, about 300 plus backers from, you know, dozens and dozens of countries. So um, anywhere you can get a cell signal, uh, Pebble Tracker can feed data directly to smart contracts. And that's a very first of its kind kind of capability, right? No one else is really doing this real-time verifiable data from the real world, right? And again, it's very important that before we put data on a blockchain, we know that it's trustworthy and it came from a specific device. So the things that enable this, we have a, a protocol called TrueStream, 
And it's really like a real world data oracle, right? How do we grab that data and make sure it's verifiable, not only to us, but to other people, right? Uh, even in a court of law, how do you prove to somebody that this data uh, that's informing this insurance claim is trustworthy and came from a device? That's the level of, of trustworthiness we're shooting after, right? And then after you have this verifiable data, that's where another technology called decentralized identity comes into play, right? You basically assign this data to be owned by a specific device or a specific person, right? After someone owns their data as a property right, there's a few things you can do with it, right? One is you can keep it absolutely private. And that's how most people are using UCAM today, right? Um, uh, they don't want anyone else to see their videos, especially the ones that are uh, of them in their homes. Um, so that's one option that you have once you own your data, you can keep it absolutely private. Other things you can do with your data or you can opt into sharing it with trusted parties, right? And the last thing that I'm personally the most excited about is you can opt into sharing this data with a smart contract. So using your real world actions as an input to a smart contract to generate some type of uh, known response, right? Uh, mm -hmm. One perfect example of this is, you know, I think one of the most interesting metrics that comes out of Pebble Tracker is that GPS data, right? Verifiable proof of where you were at a specific point in time, right? And that's the if part. If you can prove your location to the smart contract, then you can kick off any kind of thing, which is uh, one of the use cases I find really fascinating is issuing an NFT based on verifiable conditions of where you were, right? Say that you visited a soccer stadium or you visited an event or a concert or a restaurant for their happy hour, right? They wanna build direct engagement with you because you participated in this real world event, but you also wanna get a souvenir or kind of a token of appreciation or even a payment, you know, loyalty points, uh, cryptocurrency they can use at a specific restaurant for their happy hours, or just an NFT uh, that, you know, shows, hey, I was at this pop-up shop this weekend and I bought something, right? Um, so that, that intersection of what happens in the real world to generate digital assets in the blockchain world, I think is a really fascinating design space and something that we're just starting to um, really kick off. And I think the traction, again, I've been talking to people in person about this, and I think everyone finds it very fascinating, uh, but still scratching the surface on what this all really means for, for blockchain. Yeah, it's very exciting. You guys seem really dialed into the space and IoT and how you guys, you know, really taking blockchain and combining it. Um, and I think a lot of people really do understand the need um, for, you know, privacy with your data, owning your data, um, and the reasons behind that, you know, thanks to people like Edward Snowden, Julian Assange in the past, you know, you know, kind of fighting for those liberties, at least in the U.S. Um, but how if someone does control their data, they get to that point, they're using these devices, the tech, the blockchain stuff, and uh, they, they control their data. They have, you know, um, the ability to do whatever they want with it. How could they you know, use that today? Like, is there like some type of marketplace or infrastructure where they can actually like sell their data to somebody? Or is that like a next step, something that has to be like put together? Yeah, no, it's really interesting. You know, there's uh, in that form of like issuing your data or opting into sharing your data with, with someone else or some other application, right? There's a lot of different forms of how this can work, right? One is to use a data point, like, hey, at 11.30 a.m. on June 29th, I was at this specific point in time, right? That's an insight. It's not just a data point. It's an insight about what you've done in the real world, right? And that could be used to trigger any number of kind of reactions, right? It could be, it can give you a notification via smart contract. It can issue you an NFT 
to reward you for being here at a specific time. Uh, it can even, you know, uh, unlock an AR or like augmented reality experience so you can better understand what your surroundings are, right? But you don't want to give that AR experience to everyone. You only want to give it to people that have uh, are in that specific place at a specific time, right? So that's kind of using data as a trigger, as an input to a smart contract, right? Um, right. Which I think has infinite number of use cases because, again, that's really the if-then statement, right? If I can prove something to a smart contract about the real world or about what I've done in the real world, then anything, right? Um, anything that a smart contract can support. Um, the other way to think about this is to draw an analogy to what De was going on in DeFi right now. You know, everyone's on the decentralized exchange wave, right? Where these liquidity pools are kind of formed, the liquidity is, is formed from uh, the liquidity providers, which are can be everyday people or businesses, right? Same concept as people pooling their tokens together and earning transaction fees off of who transacts against that pool. You can also have this with data, right? So if I submit some data and you submit some similar data and you know 100 other people are you know pooling their data together to capture these network effects to make it historically and statistically significant, that data is super valuable um, to a lot of people, right? Um, the reason why, you know, the, the Facebook model of like selling our data works is because that they have that data in the aggregate, right? A lot of people say, hey, if you wanted to sell your personal data for, um, you know, outright, it's not going to be worth much today. Well, that's because you're a single person, right? There's not much to extract outside of your personal data set unless you happen to be a really interesting person, right? But if you combine that data as Facebook does behind the scenes um, or any of these big tech companies do behind the scenes, um, but also give ownership of that data pool to users, right? So similarly to that DeFi liquidity pool concept, when I put two uh, pair of tokens in, I get pool tokens in return that reflect my ownership in the underlying pool, as well as the constant cash flow of people that transact against that pool. Same concept for data, right? A token is just a representation of, uh, of data in itself, right? So if you um, are you contributing your data in a way that's valuable to an end buyer, then anytime someone queries your data set or queries this data pool that you've contributed to, you can get a dividend. Or anyone that wants to buy this data set outright and use it for, uh, under a license for a specific period of time, you will be the benefactor. You and everyone else that contributed to this versus the, the opposite is pretty much happening today. Like we generate the data, we are the products, but we see none of the value, right? So this isn't just about our personal data. It's also about all the data that we do in a professional uh, in our professional lives, right? Um, going back to the GPS example, right? If if you're driving the same routes to and from work every single day for a year, uh, and you can combine that with other people that are also driving that same route, guaranteed that has value to people like all these delivery companies or urban planners or Uber or vehicle companies to understand, you know, where where traffic lies, right? So. Um, Doing this bottoms up kind of format of aggregating data together and returning the, the the dividends and the benefits to users, I think this is a very Web three futuristic concept. Uh, but the, the important part is for this data to be valuable to data buyers, they have to know it's trustworthy and not fudged, right? So that's really right. where the verifiability of this data comes in. Um, so you know, we're, we're, again, we're taking it to the ne next level here um, regarding the the trust and the verifiability of this data. And also uh, the devices that that kind of uh, facilitate what we're talking about. 
what what sets you guys apart i know there's some other competition as well like um like iota or mm -hmm. ibm blockchain what they're doing at ibm um you know in the iot space you know is you know combining blockchain iot and looking at that competition like what what sets you apart or makes you competitive um with those players that have been around for a while yeah i mean if you asked me this question when we first started you know it would be it'd be a little tricky to answer right because mm -hmm. um everyone was doing white papers at that point but the real sign of uh, legitimacy and belonging in the space is really proof of product, right? What have you done? What have you launched? And what's actually usable by people today? And you know that, that that's really where IOTech shines, right? Uh, we take a very research-focused approach, academic-focused approach to what we uh, build into the protocol. But we also have an amazing team of people that can build these products. Uh, that people really enjoy, right? From our wallets to our decks to these uh, hardware products of ours. Uh, there's so many products and uh, applications running in the IOTEX ecosystem already, and it's only speeding up from here, right? So, um, you know, there, uh, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, know about IOTA. Um, we don't like to really talk bad about any uh, companies out there, but they're still in their experimental phase, right? Um, they're not fully decentralized yet. Uh, we've been decentralized and fully production ready since uh, even April of 2019 uh, when we first launched our mainnet, right? So that's really given us the ability to not think about what's under the hood. We're thinking about what's above the hood, right? How do we enable builders to build brand new solutions uh, on top of what we're doing? And, you know, I think that, you know, if anyone was able to build these devices that we put out, they would have done it, right? So right. Uh, the proof of product, I think, is very, very important. Uh, but it's also important to understand that IoT is a very layered um, kind of uh, industry, right? Just as blockchains have layer zero for networking, layer one for consensus and security, layer two at the application level, uh, I would say IoT is even more uh, kind of tranches of technology, right? All the way from the identity of your devices to how your devices communicate with each other to the connectivity that they use to communicate with each other. So when we talk about projects like Helium, that's working on the connectivity side, we talk about people like IOTA that pride themselves on you know, the machine to machine communication side, but there's even more to that, right? What about the computing of these devices? What about the identity of these devices? What about tying ownership of these devices to actual people or actual businesses and driving the value to those people? You know, the, the, the truth is, you know, I think IOTEX is at the very bottom of this layer, right? Um, and everything else can be a protocol even running on top of IOTEX. So that's that's how I feel about uh, our place in the IoT industry. If you ask me, you know, the, the pace at which we are launching new products, new applications really points to the fact that we know exactly what we're doing and where we're heading and what our role is in this ecosystem. You know, outside of just the people working in IoT, there's also a lot of layer one blockchains out there. We get this question a lot about how do you see yourselves as a Ethereum killer or not, right? It's definitely not. We want to collaborate with other layer one blockchains and any other kind of decentralized applications out there, right? Where we can be the hub for real world data and bridge that data to other networks if, if they want it or if they, if they see, see fit for it, right? So if, uh, if a, a one blockchain is working on more of the supply chain records, the documentation side of things, the legal documents, they want to combine that with real-world tracking data from Pebble Tracker, that's a really nice marriage of you know, how we see ourselves uh, not only running the, our own applications on our platform, but also facilitating other platforms to do more 
with real world data, which is our specialty, right? Um, yeah, it's important to, to think about it in layers, right? Like Ocean is doing an incredible data marketplace. We don't necessarily have to replicate that, right? We can welcome Ocean onto our protocol so we can have a data marketplace full of IoT data. We don't have to replicate what Chainlink has done. We don't have to replicate what, you know, Infura and all these other kind of open source technologies have done. But we know that we have a niche within this broader blockchain universe, which is real world, real time, verifiable data. And without a doubt, that's going to be the foundation for a lot of brand new use cases that I don't think we even have our, um, the industry has their heads around right now. You know what's really cool about you guys is you guys actually have like a product. You don't see that a lot in the blockchain space. It's all these um, you know, glorified services or things they're going to offer people or software or yeah. um, you get a lot of vaporware projects or bullshit, to be honest. And, um, you know, when we have thousands of different cryptos out there, you know, you see a lot of it. Um, and you don't see a lot of blockchains really doing stuff with IoT. So it's cool to see, you know, you guys actually have those use cases and those products and be able to, you know, really talk about that and do something. And no, I have no issue with like IOTA or IBM blockchain or anything like that. But I mean, what have they really put out and done so far? Right. So you guys definitely have a leg up in that area. Yeah, I think so. You know, building these products is not easy. Let me tell you that, you know, hardware is hard, you know. Uh, even though we didn't build this hardware ourselves, you know, we partnered with a very major security camera manufacturer and uh, sold like millions of cameras worldwide, right? But they came to us looking for security and privacy as a feature. And this was back in 2019. So I think this was like a very, uh, you know, everyone's talking about private finance now, private messaging. Uh, very soon they're going to realize, you know, uh, having private smart devices, being able to own and control these devices that we interact on and collect the most sensitive data about us, right? Uh, from wearables to what we do in our homes, you know, there's always, you know, I think there was a big wave of people uh, really caring about this. There's that huge Netflix documentary back in 2020, right? That showed what these surveillance capitalists like Facebook and Google are actually doing with our data. And everyone cared for about a month, right? And then they started diverting back to what they did on a daily basis. But that's because there's not really a viable alternative, right? For people to change their behavior, for you to change culture, you have to put out products that give people the same user experience, the same features that they desire, but also give them the, the things that they don't know existed, which is absolute security and absolute privacy, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we always, you know, treat our product launches as very uh, important to the brand of IOTEX, right? Not just launching products that halfway work, but getting to the point where we can sell this thing on Amazon to people that have never heard about blockchain and they can start to own their data too. I think it's a really big testament to what we've done already. But at the same time, like what IOTEX's future is, you know, we're planning for our 2.0 launch right now, IOTEX 2.0, which would be a major evolution of uh, not only what IOTEX as the core team can build on our platform, IOTEX 2.0 is trying to allow people, anyone to replicate what we've done with UCAM and with Pebble Tracker uh, in the form of many other types of devices, right? We want people to, we want to be the universal IoT protocol uh, that's kind of in a decentralized fashion, right? So mm -hmm. talking about things like smart meters, drones, anything that's capturing valuable images or data um, and finding ways for us to assign value to that data and then help people monetize it themselves, right? So mm -hmm. um, it's weird to call these products proofs of concept but they are, they're proving the future concept that we can own the data and the value, not only from these kind of uh, already out there products, but all the products out there. That's the proof of the concept that we're trying to enable 
uh, down the road. So, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, you have to remember, you know, the, your place in the industry, right? We are the platform. We are the infrastructure. You know, it just so happens that the IOTEX Foundation has been our own best customer, you know, building out these very first of its kind, literally inventing these kind of first of its kind technologies. But our role as a platform is not to create every single one of them, but it's provide the playbook, the templates, and the understanding of how to do this stuff. So, you know, we can, we can paint the world with these trusted devices. Yeah, essentially what you guys are doing is you're trying to build a foundation from, from what I'm getting the gist of. Are those cameras for sale? Are they still being crowdfunded or are they just proof of concept right now? I want one of those. Don't yeah, no, cool. we, we started the pre-sale for UCAM back in like May 2020 and officially launched it on Amazon uh, September, October of 2020. I'll oh, so definitely send on you Amazon. one. I'll ship one on over Amazon. to Columbia for you. Um, yeah, yeah, send one down to Columbia. Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> I'm not sure if we have one in Columbia already. You know, UCAM is on... Uh, 59 countries right now and there's about 5500 units sold around the in entire world right and you know not only is that really exciting for us uh, as the core team because we have real world adoption of a blockchain product i think that can't be understated right like these 5500 people around the world have a blockchain wallet that they use to log into this camera um you know there's more to it it's not just blockchain and we're using it as a marketing thing we layer on edge computing so there's no computing done on centralized servers. It's all done on the camera or your mobile phone. We also add end-to-end -end encryption where we encrypt all the data with your private key. So without the private key, you can't decrypt the files. That's what provides the privacy for UCAM. But more importantly, um, we have tokenomics designed on our platform that encourage more of these devices to be adopted. It's a, it's a program we call BurnDrop. For every single device that's registered to the IOTEX network, some IOTEX is burned and some IOTEX is dropped to long-term stakeholders. Oh, so cool. it's that virtuous cycle, right? Returning the value that we uh, provide with UCAM and delivering value to our long-term stakeholders. So um, yeah, it's a, really, it's a really nice blend of this brand new technology. There's also a very big community aspect to it, right? So mm -hmm. um, community loves the product. Um, uh, even, you know, surprisingly, you know, uh, mainstream people on Amazon also love the product, right? So. Um, uh, it's really, it's really a testament to what we've been able to do, but it's just a start, right? There's also so many form factors of cameras out there, uh, outdoor cameras, dash cameras. Um, that's really a big space is dash cameras for car insurance claims and these kind of things. It's not only just to track, um, your home, but just track your, your everyday lives, right? You know, smart devices are going to be ubiquitous everywhere, uh, Absolutely. probably in the next two to three years. So, you know, the, the lessons of social media. Uh, about who do we trust and why do we trust, um, you know, the digital world has a safety net, right? But if we're talking about the physical world, there's no safety net. You know, if you get rug pulled in your autonomous vehicle, that's not you losing your funds. It's going to be you losing your life. You know, it sounds very dramatic, but you have to apply that kind of um, even people understanding when you leave your home every day. It's very, it's a big physical danger to you, right? So we're not just talking about keystrokes or what you listen on Spotify. This is data about what you do on a daily basis, you know, pictures worth a thousand words, video might be worth a hundred thousand words, right? So making sure all of that data is owned by us is paramount. Um, people are going to start realizing this with their financial data and their messages, but very soon, I think uh, they're going to be looking at everything around their house, be like, do I trust that? Do I trust that? Do I trust that? Make conscious decisions about what they let into their homes and what 
you know, kind of nutrition facts these kind of uh, mm-hmm. technologies have before putting them into their homes. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something. Before I say that, though, uh, for everyone in the audience, if you have any questions on IOTEX, IOT, uh, you know, blockchain, anything we've been talking about, uh, drop your questions in the comment section. We'll answer a few of those at the end. I know there's a, a couple of questions, but um, if any of you guys have questions, drop them down below and we'll, we'll go over them at the very end. Um, but that, yeah, that reminds me of something, actually. Have you seen that show, or not show, that documentary on Netflix called The, uh, the Social Dilemma? Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about, right? It's like mm-hmm. it um, it goes deep into the people that built this surveillance capital economy, right? You can't really fault Facebook and Google for doing this, right? Again, we live in a capitalistic society. Once you understand that, you can't really like, you know, people are going to make money any way they understand how. First, understanding that's the society we live in is very important to your your peace of mind and just your general understanding about life, right? Life is a game of incentives, and these companies aren't necessarily doing anything illegal, but they've kind of tricked society into becoming part of their advertising engine, right? They give us a free service where we post everything about our daily lives to these massive corporations and they form them into digital profiles and sell them. Beautiful business model, right? From their perspective, but from the user perspective, of course that leaves uh, more to be desired, right? Like. Why can't I have a service where I can interact with my friends or, you know, monitor my home with a camera without the danger of backdoor sales of my data, right? And that's exactly what Web3 is, right? We're trying to replicate what we have today, but under the premise that, you know, there's no funny business behind the scenes, right? Everything is done via smart contract. Anyone can verify what exactly this service I'm using is. And I think that's going to be powering slowly but surely you know it's already starting to affect finance there's a lot of things going on in social i think iot um is going to be is is going to be the next wave as far as what uh, web3 really really impacts right yeah you know it's scary how they build those like complete social profiles of you and they know exactly how to push your buttons to get a reaction out of you to get an endorphin rush out of you to get you to do something um, yeah and it's so it's so weird. Like when I'm like talking to someone about you know Corona beer, and then all of a sudden on all my devices I get ads for Corona beer. Like that kind of stuff is really creepy. Yeah, um, yeah, and it even though it's is, like, yeah. yeah, even though it's not necessarily illegal, there's a moral aspect of that that's just kind of wrong. Um, yeah, but and- when it changes from creepy to actually damaging, that's like when we you know we're we're at the cusp of that right now, right? We wrote a research report. It's called When Privacy Hits Home. And we, we did a lot of research into things like the patents that the big tech companies are issuing, right? And it's very clear they're not just after, you know, the very, um, you know, uh, spot data. They're, they're after the very, very rich kind of insights. Like there's a reason why Amazon has Alexa uh, in your home, right? Um, if you don't know, Amazon doesn't just listen to what you say uh, after you say, um, I don't even know, I don't use these kind of products at home, so I don't know what the call for maybe it's hey alexa right it also listens to the thing that you said 10 seconds before hey alexa and that's in their terms and conditions but no one cares because there's no alternative out there right um iotex i think eventually will provide that voice alternative uh to things like alexa and to like they're already starting to do alternatives to ring cameras that do everything a ring camera has i would say even better uh but you know it gives you that kind of privacy right so um you know going back to that patent thing it's very clear that all these cameras, all these microphones, and 
all these things that we voluntarily place into our homes for the benefit of security, right? Um, these things are actually eyes and ears for big tech that we are placing literally in our homes voluntarily, right? So it just goes back to, to show you, right? Like um, there's going to be a, a big wave of people that recognize that, okay, the way things worked in 2010 versus the way they work now, uh, not only are the products getting better, but these backend advertising digital profile systems are the most sophisticated engines kind of in the world, right? Like um, hearing you say something into your phone um, is very creepy, right? But if it's Alexa hearing you sneezing and recommending to buy you chicken soup or like go to this thing, that becomes a point at which like, okay, where do I need big tech to stop helping me? And where should I take control of my own uh, kind of destiny, right? And I mean, using a tamper-proof and verifiable smart contract to settle that business logic um, can be like a choice you make, but giving all of your data so that Amazon or uh, Google or Facebook, et cetera, can do that for you. I think uh, once an alternative is out there, um, I think that, you know, IOTEX is going to be a very, very important player in, in what's to come there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, pivoting away from that for just a second, I also noticed um, on you guys' blog, um, on you guys' website, you guys have um, some type of partnership or working with uh, IEEE, um, something about the U.S. Navy. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, and that goes back to our, you know, our research-backed focus, right? Like, just to preface this a little, there's two ways to think about blockchain and IoT, right, this intersection. Mm -hmm. One is how the blockchain is going to transform the IoT as it is today, right? That's a very long-term journey. You know, it's going back to the thing I was saying, like enterprises don't change their practices unless regulatory uh, means or compliance demands them to, right? So it's that that journey about replacing legacy systems with decentralized systems. Mm -hmm. It's more of like a um, opportunity is where, where uh, preparation meets uh, timing, right? So mm -hmm. when the time comes, we're working on a lot of different um, standards. Uh, one that you mentioned was within, within the IEEE, which is the largest standards body in the world. Uh, we have a couple new standards out there. Uh, one is the framework for blockchain usage in IoT. We're the vice chairs of that working group. And another one that's coming up is more focused on decentralized identity and uh, access management of data, which is where we're chairing. We founded that working group, right? So um, these kind of things it's not just like anyone can start a working group. You really have to win the trust of these enterprises over a long period of time, right? And these are things that we've been doing since IOTEX started. And even before IOTEX was started, we were really involved in, you know, the, the laborious uh, kind of tasks of joining these working groups, contributing our insights. Um, and that's really paid dividends in the form of partnerships like the other one you mentioned, which is this U.S. Navy and Consensus Networks one, right? So... Um, Consensus Networks has been a delegate in our network since day one. They're a development team outside of uh, uh, that's based in uh, Illinois, um, and you know they've they have a lot of uh, history with government entities, right? Uh, National Institute of Health, um, U.S. Air Force, and finally this U.S. Navy deal. So they just signed a one and a half million dollar uh, contract with the U.S. Navy to build a medical focused supply chain, incorporating Pebble Tracker data and IOTech smart contracts. Um, and this is really big, right? This is, uh, when we talk about military grade security, you know, no pun intended with the US Navy, but this is military grade type of stuff, right? Um, maybe people that are shipping fruit from 
you know, uh, California to Florida don't need that level of military grade security. But we're starting to see use cases where um, the desire for tamper proofness and 100% trust are getting more and more needed, right? It's not just a business consideration. It's like a national security or uh, um, uh, a safety consideration, right? Public safety consideration. So Mm -hmm. when we think about how these like tamper-proof by design solutions are going to be adopted, of course, it's going to be adopted uh, at the places where trust is the most absent, right? And eventually after that, it's going to flow into the rest of our world. But, um, you know, IOTEX works with a lot of other uh, kind of industry bodies. Um, you know, we're the co-chairs of the Industrial Internet Consortium's Blockchain Working Group alongside Amazon and Huawei. We have a really big role within the Confidential Computing Consortium, working with projects like ARM to do facial detection using camera technology in a completely trustless and private way. Uh, we're part of the China Mobile IoT Alliance uh, and soon to be joining other consortiums like Mobi. And you know, this is again, this is a testament to the, the long-term journey of building blockchain into traditional systems. The other way to think about blockchain and IoT uh, outside of those kind of enterprise and consortium focused efforts is how can IoT help blockchain today? You know, the other one is blockchain to IoT. IoT to blockchain is also a very fascinating thing because if we bring real world data to blockchain for a purpose, then there's so many use cases we can enable. Think about a prediction market, right? Today, there's a there's a consensus or validator group that has to say, hey, this is what happened. Like this uh, Switzerland beat France yesterday, right? There's no device that's going to port that trusted information to the blockchain. It has to be manual, right? But when we start to think about these DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, yes, they're not going to have humans in them, but guaranteed to push those DAOs forward, we're going to be grabbing data from the real world to say, okay, this is what happened at this time. Now the, the smart contract can self-execute and move on to the next step. Where verifiability in that case to drive these workflows forward is extremely critical, right? So from the fun gamification of like, prove to me you are at a specific place to get an NFT to forming the foundation for a lot of these autonomous organizations, autonomous vehicle networks, drone networks, um, even like a decentralized vending machine, right? These are all things where we have to trust not only the software that is uh, being executed by this hardware, right? The hardware has to be trusted at all as, as well. So it's really an end-to-end solution here, you know, uh, and IOTEX is really playing the role to create that foundation on top of which people can layer on their own tokenomics and business logic. But we see ourselves as the ones that are providing trusted data from trusted devices for trusted applications. And we're trying to enrich people and give them these capabilities uh, to do this kind of stuff. So a lot of- You get me all excited about IoT and everything. It's really cool. I haven't had this deep of a conversation about it in a long time. Yeah. Um, Let's, let's, I have one more question for you. And then there's some comments coming in. I think some people have some questions, Um, but tell me what what the roadmap looks like for IOTEX, you know, the rest of 2021. Um, what, what do you guys have planned? Do you want people to know about? Do you have updates? Do you have products launching? Um, or what can you share? Yeah, honestly, I've never been more excited uh, to be at IOTEX than, than right now. Not only because of what we've done already in 2021, we've had a, already like a blistering fast year, right? One of the big releases we had was our uh, pretty major upgrade of our blockchain, mainnet version 1.2. And what this did is provide full Ethereum um, compatibility. So you don't even have to configure 
your Solidity smart contracts. You can port them over to IOTEX with no configuration uh, in minutes. And this is already starting to see a lot of inflow of new tools being brought to our network. Things like MetaMask, things like Snapshot, uh, a lot of other things in the future like the Subgraph, Chainlink, all this kind of stuff, really building out the must-have things for developers to feel comfortable launching their applications on IOTEX. So that's really what we call this concept of a Cambrian explosion, right? With our unique real-world data value proposition, as well as all the tools and uh, capabilities that people are used to on blockchains like Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain, um, you know, that's going to uh, incite a lot of people to look towards IOTEX and build brand new things on IOTEX and also port over their protocols from other platforms and figure out how does real world data fit into this, right? We talked about, you know, prediction markets, settling prediction markets with real time, real world data, uh, issuing NFTs with real world data, even like in the gaming space, right? Having something you do in the physical world, give you a skin or a digital asset for your game. Uh, it just opens the doors to not changing what these D apps are fundamentally about, but giving them the extra oomph that's really differentiating, right? Um, other things we're working on, building a lot of cross-chain bridges, right? As I mentioned, we don't see IOTEX as a, a Ethereum killer. Rather, we've already built bridges to Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and uh, Polygon with, I think, Cosmos and uh, Polkadot coming soon as well. And it's not just two-way token swaps, which are already enabled across those three blockchains. We're also working on cross-chain contract calls so people can grab insights from the devices that live on IOTEX and use them on their blockchains um, without needing to, it's, it's just a bridge, right? It's a nice little web of trust. Um, but looking forward, you know, Pebble Tracker is launching uh, very, very soon to um, not only developers and the businesses that are already working on it, but also to users, right? Creating this vision of kind of a real world data mining, right? Grab the data, the actions you do on a daily basis and fuel different types of applications in that respect. But um, I would say the biggest thing uh, looking forward, even like down one year roadmap, is we're really trying to protocolize. I'm not sure if that's a word, but we're trying to take the things we've word. done with Pebble Tracker, meaning grab verifiable data from a device, make it available to a smart contract, layer on some tokenomics or SLAs on top of it. And that's really the framework for really interesting use cases, right? So taking it out of this custom build and doing it as more of like an SDK or a protocol to allow anyone to do this. It's really, um, that's really what's going to think, I think jettison IOTechs to the real next level. Um, but in between that, we have so much stuff going on. Um, a lot of big names that we're really excited to, to, um, to share with the community and the broader blockchain universe. But um, yeah, never been more excited for what's to come. Yeah, it, it sounds very exciting. I'm, I'm very uh, you know, happy for you guys and excited for what you guys are going to do. And it's awesome that you guys are kind of building this foundation and, you know, really taking a chance at bridging, you know, blockchain and, um, and IoT and, and doing a lot of this. Cause it's important. It, it, privacy around data, controlling your data, you know, having a little bit of sovereignty over that is really, really important and valuable and something we just don't have currently in society. Um, so very excited to see what you guys do with that and love the camera. So definitely... Um, so I'm going to shoot you, know, you, one. Buy one, shoot you one over. Yeah. Yeah. I want one. Um, there's a few questions in the audience. If you want to answer them, um, or of a couple of statements, um, I bought number 88 UCAM. Uh, I assumed that they bought that on, um, on the, on the crowdfunding website. 
Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when, when we first uh, pre-launched UCAM, right, so background on, on UCAM, we won the CES Innovation Award uh, in 2020 for UCAM for cybersecurity and personal mm -hmm. privacy. Really big milestone for us because um, it was still, uh, you know, under development at that point. But the concept of it uh, really attracted the largest consumer tech conference in the world. So it gave us the confidence to really pursue it head on and full on. Right. So uh, we ran the pre-sale only to our community. So when legal Canadian Kush says, I bought number 88 UCAM, he means he was number 88 to pre-order that. And he got an NFT that shows that he was number 88. So um, there will be benefits for, for those yeah. NFT holders down the road, especially for being a, such an early backer of what we're doing and being a privacy pioneer, as we call it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he's legal Canadian Kush. That would be an issue if he was yeah. legal Canadian Kush. Um, <laughs> What are the main changes for MIMO V2? Can you use BSC tokens? Yeah, so MIMO is uh, something we actually didn't get to talk about that much. We talked a little bit about the bridge, which is mm -hmm. called IO2. You know, connects IOTEX to Binance, Smart Chain, Ethereum, and Polygon, and more to come. Um, but what, what can you do with those bridge tokens once they're on IOTEX, right? We have a DEX, decentralized exchange, is called MIMO. And MIMO V1 was uh, similar to Uniswap V1 in the sense that you know, uh, you can have an IOTEX and a token pair. You have to put this pair in. With MIMO with V2, it's a brand new protocol uh, that's much more flexible. It's going to allow us to do things like farming, uh, issue governance tokens. But more importantly, it is uh, any token to any token can be put in a liquidity pool now. It doesn't have to be anchored with IOTEX. And for liquidity providers, this provides so much more flexibility. Um, so the same way that, you know, Uniswap went from V1 to V2, MIMO is also going from V1 to V2. Uh, and again, it provides a lot of flexibility for what the MIMO team wants to do in the future, which is add farming, add yield farming, add a governance token, um, and you know a lot of things. I think they're going to put out a blog uh, tomorrow with the announcement. They just previewed it, I think, on Sunday saying uh, June 30th is their alpha launch of MIMO V2. So still in the early phases, um, but really welcoming the community to participate. And to answer your question directly, yes, you can send BSC tokens. Okay, cool. Let's see what's next. Does Robert Parker have an active role with partnerships IO2X or is he only a advisor? So Robert Parker is one of our advisors we brought on earlier this year. Um, he has a really long tenured history in the IoT space. Uh, was a GM at Microsoft for many, many, many years. Uh, was a founding engineer of the Alexa project. Um, and now is doing his own kind of like AI uh, IoT startup um, on the side, right? So um, he was also uh, the former CTO of Samsung SmartThings, which is Samsung's consumer IoT division. So um, Robert's role within IoTex is not to help us build, but to help us connect, right? Of course, we talk to him very regularly about our ideas, the directions we should be heading. And he does help us to put in touch with his vast network within the IoT space, right? Um, he does have an active role in realizing partnerships for IoTex, and that is his role as an advisor, right? When you when a lot of like crypto projects add their advisory board uh, to their to the websites, right? I mean, every one of them has a role. They're not full time, but they're brought on to provide to fill a gap, right? Whether it's uh, someone that's super expert in a uh, misunderstood, uh, not well understood technology, or it's to bring in the connections or to bring in the fundraising aspect 
all these advisors are brought in to do something purposeful. And we have a wide network of advisors that help us with a lot of things. Many of them are helping us connect to people in the traditional IoT space. Um, and that's exactly what Robert does for us. So um, a lot of this stuff is um, kind of behind the scenes, I would say. You know, the enterprise side of things moves quite slowly as we're talking about. Um, but playing that slow game and building trust is really building trust with the largest companies in the world is something that I think IOTEX has done, unlike many other projects in the in the blockchain space in general, definitely in the IoT space. Uh, but Roberts uh, and our other advisors are important parts of that as well. Yeah. Do you think do you think his you know involvement at least a little bit is you know a sign that maybe you guys will do something with Alexa in the future? I'm not sure if we would do anything with Alexa. We would try to build an Alexa competitor. I think right like. Mm -hmm. um, what people need to also realize is, you know, Alexa as a capability, there's a lot of open source versions of Alexa out there, right? Maybe not as well integrated into IOTEX's, uh, sorry, uh, Amazon's device ecosystem. That's what gives it that extra oomph is, you know, you can have Alexa in your car or on your, you know, they, they also had a ring version of Alexa, like a ring you put onto your finger um, that could listen to you, right? So once you start to realize like why is there a microphone on my finger oh so alexa so amazon can understand where i'm what i'm saying not only at home but while i'm on the go then it just you know scares the shit out of a lot of people including me right so right. um we would replicate that functionality i don't think there will be a day where we actually use alexa because it's so tightly bundled with the back end um that that amazon has built right but replicating that functionality creating a voice assistant that um not only recognizes your voice, but what's really interesting that's going to happen in the future is if you are able to own your own voice data and your own voice recordings, you can run artificial intelligence on your own voice recordings to create an AI that can talk like you, right? So it's not just stopping at owning our data, right? That's just the starting point, right? That's taking the control and the value from the big tech companies and bringing them to us. But then there's another vast ecosystem of apps that will be created in the future that make use of the data that we own in a more personalized way, right? Like anytime big tech says, hey, we want to issue you a personalized ad, you should think about, okay, how do you know me? You know, it's not me training data that I own and trusting the output and knowing that I'm the only one that has access to this kind of structure. It's more like, you know, you scrape the entire internet to know who I am and listen to everything I do on a daily basis so you can sell me stuff is very, very different in that respect, right? So uh, right. you want to build a better version of it. Yeah, the whole Long ring story. idea, that, that, that thing scares me a little bit. It's like the whole one ring to rule them all. If it starts like picking up all your real world data, it's, I, I don't yeah. want to bring an Alexa with me. I have no problem with Alexa, but I don't want to take it everywhere I go. That's just, that's just too personal. Yeah, um, exactly. geez, some of these questions are good. Like, I might as well decentralize the show completely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Larry, is there any gamification idea for Pebble Tracker, like real world Pokemon Go, which would be damn good. Collecting Pokemons as unique NFTs would be amazing. I agree. That would be amazing. Thoughts? We have we uh, great minds think alike, guys. We have something already. Uh, maybe I can share it in the private chat. It's literally called Pebble Go. Um, so using Pebble Tracker. Should I pull this up? Prove, yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, cool. I mean, it's still under development right now, kind of incubating this project uh, from the foundation's perspective. But it's exactly what you said here: the gamification of how um, businesses or you know 
cities with different points of interest can assign a geofence and attach an NFT prize to it. So that's the if then statement, right? If you use Pebble Tracker to prove your location to a smart contract and say, hey, I'm within this geofence, then you get to earn an NFT, right? So it could be for things like, hey, it's a restaurant that wants to build better engagement with their users, right? If you are in my restaurant between 4 to 7 p.m. on a certain day, I'm going to give you an NFT or I'm going to give you some cryptocurrency you could spend in my restaurant. You can also string together different itineraries, right? We've been talking to a lot of people from the city of San Francisco where it's like, hey, you know, if people go prove that they've seen all the landmarks in San Francisco, then you can give them an NFT that says, hey, I saw the city, right? So it's only these NFTs you can earn. It's not ones you can just mint out of thin air or purchase off of OpenSea, but it's ones you actually have to earn. And that provides much more digital reputation than just something that anyone can buy off the internet, right? Um, extensions of this concept is if you have a wearable device in the future and you want to say, hey, uh, if I meet my health goals for four weeks or a month straight, then I'm going to get an NFT that says, hey, you know, I'm a healthy being or I completed my health challenges, right? So uh, when we think about the world of digital reputation these days, um, it's very important to think about uh, how it rewards people for doing these things, very peer-to-peer uh, type of engagement. And that's also a project that's coming up uh, to incentivize people to live a healthier lifestyle with data from trusted devices. It's called Health Blocks. We're really excited to share more about that. But um, just to touch a little bit, a, a last thing about like difference between Pokemon Go and Pebble Go is that Pokemon Go sounds like the ideal thing where if you capture a legendary Pokemon, it could be an NFT and you can sell that thing, right? But where it breaks is that it's very easy to spoof your GPS location on your phone today, right? So if you attach any monetary value to any of these legendary Pokemon you can capture in Pokemon Go, it's going to get spoofed. It's a honeypot, right? So the verifiability of the GPS data to make sure it's not tampered with, you know, uh, this thing has a GPS and it also has a cellular thing. So it's almost like you can triangulate those uh, those readings in a verifiable way to prove you are actually at this place and not pretending to be at this place to capture that legendary thing and then sell that, right? So um, that's where the verifiability really, especially when you're attaching the verifiability to like a, an asset that has monetary value, you need to make sure it's verifiable, right? So that's where the difference between PebbleGo and Pokemon Go comes from. There's a lot of other things we're doing with like NFC tags to scan something to prove you're at a certain point of uh, place at a certain time. Um, so just stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff going on with uh, Pebble Tracker. Yeah, I believe you. So it sounds like you guys got it really all worked out and everything. Um, I think that's probably good for the comments for now. We've gone definitely long enough. Lots yeah. of information to unpack. Um, but I'm sure people really enjoyed it and got a lot of engagement. Um, so yeah, Larry, thank you for taking the time to come on and talk about IOTEX, IOT, everything you guys are doing, Pebble Tracker, your, your camera, which I need to get. That sounds really cool. I'm going to um, ship you one, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it later. Uh, stay, stay on afterwards uh, when I end the broadcast and we'll, we'll chat for a second. Um, but anyways, yeah, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, for anyone that wants to learn more about IOTEX, I see the info down there, www.iotex.io and follow us on Twitter at IOTEX underscore IO. You know, we're, we have a Telegram, we have a Discord. If that's more your, your vibe, come join us uh, and c- come talk about these concepts with the community. You know, it's really 
um, the start of kind of this design space about the real world and the physical world. So if this anything interests you at all, um, come drop a line to us. We're happy to chat. So, uh, Brandon, thanks so much again for welcoming us on and we should do it again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, take care and talk to you later. See you guys.